I don't care who's first or who last, but I know that y'all just better rock this at the drop of a dime, baby. Welcome to the Football Cypher here on Football Game Plan Podcast Network. I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook, and you can follow me on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. I'm joined, as always, with my fellow analysts, Chris James, Gene Clemens, Teron Davenport, and Brandon Howard. You can follow Chris on Twitter at CJFlorida9, Gene at Gene Clemens, Teron at T Davenport underscore NFL, and Brandon at B Howard underscore 81. Make sure to subscribe to the Football Game Plan Podcast on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. And that's where you can find all of our many different shows. You can also find them archived on our website at footballgameplan.com slash podcast. And finally, don't forget to check out and subscribe to the Football Game Plan Network on YouTube, located at youtube.com slash footballgameplan. If you're not familiar to what a rap cipher is, it's a crowd that forms in freestyle raps as they pass the mic around. Well, it's the same thing here except there won't be any rapping going on. We'll just pass the mic around and keep the football takes flowing. And we're going to kick off our NFL team previews in the cypher. And in this episode, we'll take a look at the Carolina Panthers, the junkyard dog offense of the NFL, and some of our biggest questions heading into the 2017 season. Gene, go ahead on and kick this one off. Thanks, Em. Thanks, Emory. I, I wanted to ask, I, I look at all of these additions that uh, we've seen for the Panthers, will, will this allow the Panthers to finally open up this offense and, and and let it be as dynamic as we all believe that um it could be with Cam Newton at the helm? Yeah, I think this is a year that they can open up the offense. Russell Shepard, the addition of him, but I think more importantly, the addition of uh, McCaffrey as well as Curtis Samuel, that gives them a lot of things that they could do in the middle of the field it gives them a lot of options as far as playmakers that they could just get the ball to and allow them to do the work. And that just makes things a bit easier for Cam Newton. So I, I think they did a really good job of getting support for him and helping make his job a little bit easier to do. Yeah, I, I love the uh, acquisitions of uh, Christian McCaffrey and, uh, and Curtis Samuel. And we'll obviously get into that a little later, but I don't know if this allows them to open up the offense per se. Um, I think that this allows them to actually be a little more conservative, but then get the big play off of it because of the athletes you're getting the football to. And you're not making them work very hard for the football. I'm hoping that that's what they do. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, you got to turn around and just hand the ball off to that guy. You, know, you can't, you know, start trying to figure out little silly ways to get him the ball and jet sweeps and reverses. He's not a gadget player of any sort. Just turn around and hand the football off to him. You know, don't be goofy with it. Um, so I, I think that because of the weapons that they have and how dangerous these guys are in confined space, you can make the simple play that much more explosive. So I think they'll have more explosive plays, but I don't think you have to work too hard to make it happen. To answer the question with the verbiage used, will it allow them to open up things? It allows them to because they have more options, more talent. But Ron Rivera is Ron Rivera. This offense is this offense. 
And even when it's at its most explosive, it has never been a very interesting offense. It's been explosive because Cam Newton was a superior athlete who had an amazing MVP season. And I'm going to say something that people aren't going to agree with. And uh, to be quite frank, I don't care. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is a hell of a running back. And my comparison for him was Reggie Bush, but I think he's a better running back and runner than Reggie Bush, period. Petition, in my opinion, when it comes to that. So if they just give him the damn ball as a damn running back, they'll actually have success. But I know that they're going to fall into this trap of trying to be gimmicky with him. And also, give the damn ball to Curtis Samuel as well. He's he, he, he has the Percy Harvin feel to him because of what they did at Ohio State. But still, give these guys the ball. Don't try to find interesting ways to get it to him because – and I'm going to be honest about Cam. Cam's mechanics tend to fall apart, and trying to get that ball over to him might be a little bit of a test sometimes. So just hand the damn ball off. I think Brandon explained it perfectly because they have the ability now to have more dynamic plays because of the personnel with McCaffrey – They never really had that home run hitting ability in the backfield. They have that now. They never really had that home run hitting ability in the slot. They had that now with Samuel. So you had those two guys along with Olsen um, and the fact that they're going to find a way to to work those two taller wide receivers in the mix. They're going to draw some coverage away. So I think you're going to see a little bit more. You're going to see more big plays. I think the offense will be the same, but it'll be more big plays as a result to take what Brandon said. I thought he explained it perfectly. Um, yeah, and I agree. I, I think that, that for years we've watched them kind of suppress this offense because they've spent a lot of money on defense. They spent a lot of they spent a lot of money, they spent a lot of picks in show, showing up a defense and relying on Cam Newton to make a way. Or drafting like overdrafting, you know, um, you know, guys on offense that are not even overdrafting, I would say that just not really investing the amount of, of offensive draft picks they should over the last few years. Um, McCaffrey gives them a home run hitter from the backfield. I agree with everyone that says, um, you know, just handing the ball off. Just hand, you know, you don't have to have any gadgets. I'd love to have another um, conversation about this Reggie Bush, Christian McCaffrey thing, CJ. Um, Emory, we need to hook that one up um, for sure. That would be interesting because it's not, it, it's, it's not like he's, he's, he's blasphemous. But, you know, I would definitely love to have that conversation. Um, I think that this gives them the ability to not only stretch the field, but to be dynamic underneath. And because Cam Newton makes it 11-on-11 football, those running lanes a little bit wider for Christian McCaffrey to run through than maybe, um, you know, some of, you know, some other teams that don't have that dynamic at the quarterback position. So I'll be very interested to see if they continue to be, you know, um, conservative Ron that they like to call Riverboat Ron, you know, and, and or whether or not they take that next step, which I believe could get them back into um, Super Bowl contention. All right. So that being said, I'm going to flip it to the other side of the ball. And I want to ask, can their young corners finally elim- eliminate the memories of Josh Norman? Um I'm going to go ahead and say no. Um, I don't think that they've got anyone on the roster that can turn around and play the football the way that Josh Norman did. Uh, they've done, in my opinion, not much to improve in that area. I understand you brought in Corn Elder. Um, he's he's okay. He's he's not jo- he, he's not Josh Norman. You know, he, I don't think he ever will be that. 
but we'll, we'll, we'll see. You know, I'm not going to say – I don't want to say what a, what a kid never will be. He's only a rookie. Um, but I think they, they have done very little uh, to improve in an area that was obviously – a, a spot where they need definite improvement in last year. You know, um, you know what happened with the game against the Falcons, that's unconscionable. Like, how do you allow that to happen? Um, that, that is nightmarish. And for you to go an entire offseason and not really do too much to address it, uh, well, we'll see what happens this year. It's going to be hard to eliminate the memory of Josh Norman because Josh Norman is such a figure still in the NFL it's not like he had much of a fall off. And we've gone over the fact that Josh Norman is more of an off ball player as well in the zone, understands concepts well. He's not a good man to man player like a lot of people want to advertise him as. Right. I do think there's a young man uh, that's on this roster that he actually impressed me in some spots. Uh, and he's grown in his game over the last season from a pretty putrid start to playing well. And that was. James Bradbury uh, played well at the end of last season. And there's another guy on the roster who I like who just had an awful season. I hope he can improve. I was a big Daryl Worley fan coming out, of, uh, coming out of school out of West Virginia. So I think they have talented young players. They still have a lot of going to do. I think Bradbury is on the way to being the better corner. But it's hard to replace a personality as big as Josh Norman. I think they really need that guy, Daryl Worley, to step up big, Chris. And I think that's who they're eyeing to step up. And I do like Corn Elder, and he's more of a he's more of a sly guy. I love his instincts. I love his leadership. I love his ball skills. But they really need that those taller, bigger corners on the outside. I think that's why they're counting on Worley to take that next step. Bradbury is another guy that you talked about. Um, they drafted both of those guys last season. So they expected to go through some growing pains, but they really have to – uh, take that next step this year. So to answer Teron's question, question, I don't know yet. We'll have to see because we're banking on uh, those second-year players to, to really grow in this defense. I, I think that they've already uh, forgotten about Josh Norman because they knew that they were not going to pay Josh Norman, who in my opinion is an average cornerback like Darrell Revis in his prime money. And so, um, you know, to answer the question directly, yes, I think that they're going to be able to forget about um, Norman because they're going to be in the same boat that Norman was was in um, when, when Norman was with Carolina, unproven, um, but with talent. And, and if they get a little swagger about themselves and make a few plays, and if the front seven plays as well as they played when Josh Norman was playing cornerback, not as well as they played last year, which was not as good as when Josh Norman was playing quarterback, I think that they'll be just fine. And, and they'll be like, Josh Norman who? Or they'll be like, hey, it's time to pay me money the way you didn't want to pay Josh Norman. Don't make the same mistake twice. I, I think they definitely tried to eliminate the memories with what they did in the draft. So I, I don't think it's, it's something that's going to happen, at least yet. But I definitely see where they were going as far as getting bigger physical guys that, that could play on the outside. And that's what you have in both of the corners that they drafted. But it just it's going to be too hard to uh, forget about Josh Norman and what he was able to do in that one season that he really excelled. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there, Teron. And, um, you know, I, I what I wanted to know is, um, you know, the importance of the wide receivers uh, at the X and the Z position there with uh, – 
you know, you got the larger guy um, and Funches out there and uh, the kid out of Florida State. And I don't know why his name escapes me right now. Um, because I'm Benjamin. Um, you know, what's the importance of those guys being out there on the flanks, you know, to, to be able to get those blocks for the guys on the inside? Oh, goodness. Um, I'm hoping they become better blockers on the exterior. Listen, the X and the Z receiver position are very interesting because – I think their size gives them an opportunity to win some some battles that they don't win with their route running or separation ability. Right. Uh, I wasn't a fan of Calvin Benjamin coming out. I had to eat crow after his rookie season because he had a good one. But until he learns how to run an actual route, <laughs> that's he's he's never going to be the receiver he could be. The biggest positive for them is that their opening schedule and their schedule pretty much the whole year. Is pretty ridiculous when it comes to the corners they have to play. They start off with San Francisco. Buffalo, we don't know what they have at corner yet. Then New Orleans. I mean, they should be – if they can't win battles in those first three games, they should just hang it up for the season. I want to name a guy who is outside of their top two big receivers who I think could be an impact player this year, and that's Russell, Russell Shepard. I think that he came on late for the Bucks last year, and he could be very helpful, and he might end up being more helpful on the exterior – for this Carolina Panthers organization uh, than, you know, Funches or, or Kelvin Benjamin when it's all said and done by season's end. Yeah, I think it's six one way ahead dozen another with these bigger wide receivers. You know, if you're going to put them on the outside, that's great. It's going to pull the safeties out off the hashes and you're going to be able to work the middle of the field. They did that with Tay again. If you put them on the inside, it's going to keep those safeties on the hashes and now you're going to be able to run down uh, the sideline with those speedier guys. So, they just really need those two players to step up and stop playing like big, lazy wide receivers. And it's a shame because on paper, when you look at it, you're like, oh, these should be excellent targets. Uh, we just, we, you know, we saw Calvin Benjamin come off a, a very great national championship performance at Florida State. We saw Funches transform from a tight end to a wide receiver and was the number one target at Michigan. Then they get to the NFL and they play lazy football. They, they just don't have that it about them, and we probably should have seen that coming out of college. Uh, but I just think that if this offense is really going to take flight, those two guys really have to hold their own and keep those safeties and keep all the attention outside the hash on the numbers and let McCaffrey, Samuel, Russell Shepard, and even Greg Olson do their thing inside those inside the numbers and inside the hashes. In defense of Kelvin Benjamin, he came into the league and did his thing. Um he 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 really he really he I was I'm a Florida State fan and I was surprised about how well he played in the NFL. Um I think that he has a, a skill set and an aggressiveness about him that's hard to match. Funches doesn't have that. I'm not a fan of Funches. I think that Funches is completely overrated. Um I would have never taken him with a second round pick as a wide receiver. I thought he was probably a fourth or fifth round pick as a tight end prospect if he learned how to block um i think that his that his um advantage was taken away once he stood up and became a, a full-time wide receiver because i don't believe he has an ability to separate he doesn't run great routes and his hands are just okay um russell shepherd is a great addition for carolina because not only will he step in and be that number three receiver immediately, but I think he will eventually overtake Funches as the uh, as the opposite of Benjamin as long as Benjamin gets his weight under control. 
but he will also um, be a stalwart on the, on the special teams. And um, quite as it's kept, the Buccaneers are really not happy about losing him, but they weren't going to match that number um, that he got from Carolina. So when I look at the receivers that they have, they have three guys, including Shepard, that are hard-nosed, that'll hit you, that will be aggressive. Um, but they have one whom I can't really say he's in love with football due to the way that he treats his body. We have another one who um, never embraced reality and is trying to live out his dream of being a wide receiver when he's probably better fit to be a tight end. And then you have a third guy who hasn't had the opportunity to be that guy um, on the outside um, at a consistent basis that he may get an opportunity this year. So there's a lot of question marks behind that wide receiver crew, but they have Cam and they have tight ends that are awesome. And they're going to have guys out of the backfield to get the ball to. So that, that means that, that things are going to be a lot easier for those guys than it was last year. Yeah. So, um, you know, and I, I agree with a lot of you on what you're saying. Um, Kelvin Benjamin has shown me that he can be an outstanding blocker, but does it in spots. He needs to be much more consistent. And if he's able to do that, the offense could see some big plays. Some short plays turn into big plays as a result. Uh, Funches, I remember actually uh, GAs and an assistant coach telling me that he's better served as a move tight end in the NFL. Why, you know, someone – wanted to keep looking at him and draft him as a wide receiver. I was very upset when the Panthers took him and said he's going to play wide receiver. That's not what he is. Not what he is at all. But if that's where you're going to use him, the inside weapons and what you have with, with now Curtis Samuel and you know what you have in Olsen already, it kind of makes up for it. You know, So if you're going to throw those guys on the outside, they better block. They better get their blocks, be able to stop block, and, and maintain them. And – I think that that'll be huge for this offense if they're able to do that. And then if they can make a few big plays, you know, on some 50-50 balls, that's just icing on the cake. Um, you all mentioned that neither one of them separate extremely well, um, but they're, they are targets nonetheless. They're big targets, and they're guys that you can make chunk plays with. So um, I, I think that with their size, they'll, they'll be able to make some plays this year. And also if they are – Working on, you know, maintaining blocks on the outside, that will definitely uh, benefit the, the, the Panthers big time this year. And, you know, we've gone and talked about these receivers and nauseam. I want to talk about the guy getting the ball. And I want to ask the question about the former MVP. Can Cam Newton become a more consistent passer in 2017? I think Cam Newton, to me, is a lot like John Elway. They are what they are. I think you're going to see Cam – consistently average 12 to 14 intercepts a season. I think that's his that's his game because of how he throws the ball, and that's tough to change at this juncture of his career. Uh, so he's going to throw high a lot. He's going to be off a little bit because he's throwing high, and that's going to result into some interceptions. So I think Cam is what he's going to be. Now, when he operates off play action, he's going to be outstanding. Uh, that's why I love the addition of Christian McCaffrey. But I just think because of his natural inaccuracies uh, and his propensity to throw high, he's going to throw a lot of interceptions kind of like John Elway did. If you look at John Elway's numbers, him and Cam Newton are, are one and the same. Same, you know, pretty good athletes. You know, accuracy tends to be all over the place sometimes. 
Uh, but when they decide to, when they, when everything aligns perfectly, they can really fit the ball into some tight spaces. And I think that's what we're going to have to grow to expect out of camp. Um, I agree. I agree to a point that um, I think that he has been a consistent passer for what they ask him to do. I thought last year was an anomaly in what we've seen from him throughout his career. Um, if you look at it, he throws he throws less balls than than any other elite level quarterback. Um, just just from a statistical standpoint, he he gets less attempts, and he's not as accurate as your top flight quarterbacks. And that's always been his um, Achilles heel. Has been the knock on him is that he's not more accurate. But here's a newsflash: not every quarterback is going to be sixty five percent, but if he's down at 52%, that's a problem. But if he's hovering around at 60% with what he brings to the table, I think he'll be just fine. And I think that he'll definitely have an opportunity to return to that, you know, um, around 60% completion percentage, um, almost 4,000, maybe over 4,000 yards, 20 plus touchdowns. And, and like Emery said, probably low to mid um, double digit interceptions. That's who Cam Newton is, and then he brings that that extra element that a lot of those other passes don't bring, which is the ability to get you ten plus touchdowns on the ground, um, and and five hundred plus yards rushing, which I think a lot of times doesn't get added into a quarterback's statistics, even though he's still responsible for that offense. Yeah, I think the conversation with with Cam Newton is always interesting, and Emory, you were in one recently where a guy said if you take away his running ability, he wouldn't be any good. But the fact of the matter is he has that running ability, and that's just yet another way that he's able to impact the football game. So I think that has to be taken into account. I mean, you're going to have these these errors that, that occur, you know, as far as the ball sailing on him. It's just something that, that happens with him, and you have to, to live and die with it because – when he's able to complete the passes to Calvin Benjamin, to uh, Greg Olson on those those digs and and the uh, the seam routes and and the posts, they equate to big plays. So it, it's it's just you got to live with the bad, which is typically outweighed by the good with Cam Newton. So I I think he could still be a consistent passer, and his impact on the game alone. I mean. Brandon, you talked about it earlier, how having him is going to give Christian McCaffrey wider uh, rushing lanes. So that's something to take into account. He may not be the picture-perfect guy that, you know, somebody like a, a Tom Brady is, but the fact of the matter is he impacts a football game in multiple ways, and that alone can't be discounted. Yeah, this is a conversation I kind of dislike having, and and it's it's – I'm not taking umbrage to the question. You know, it, it needs to be asked, and I'm glad we're talking about it. Um, but this is kind of what people use to kind of marginalize Cam Newton, and it bothers me a lot. Uh, because I, I just remember, okay, being in, in college, so to speak, right? And I go and I talk to my quarterback, and I'm just like, man, you're hitting everything today. And his reason why he felt like he was hitting everything was because he wasn't running around. He wasn't getting hit. You know, being asked to run around as much, you know, on on some of the, the stuff that they ask him to do in the game, you know. And so people got to understand his game is different. He's being asked to do different things than most quarterbacks are being asked to do. So 
here's my deal to, to a lot of the fans that say he's not an accurate passer. Or he can't stand in the pocket and this, that, and the other. And he's, this is the thing that bothers me. You go ahead, you run into the secondary, have somebody who's about 300 pounds come and hit you in the mouth. And then you get asked to drop back, you know, three-step drop and hit something and be as accurate as possible. Let's see how accurate you are after that. You know, it, it, it's a different game. He's being asked to play a different game than most quarterbacks. So it bothers me when people say, okay, he's not an accurate passer. But what he's being asked to do is totally different than your stereotypical or your prototypical drop back passer. So um, I think you have to look at it differently. You have to change the lens in which you look at what Cam Newton does and who he is and, um, and, and go from there. But there has to be a modicum of forgiveness for – some of the errant throws because a lot of times when it happens, look at what he did a couple plays before and you'll have your answer. So there's a couple of different things and I'm glad you went into some of them, Brandon. There's a couple of different things with Cam Newton. I want people to understand Cam Newton is not the most accurate quarterback statistically, but I think he's actually one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL with just pure arm throws. Not hard it is to throw a ball accurately when you're just using your arm, right? Right. So he he is extremely accurate with that. And when the ball sails on him, you know, I, I still am under the impression that he can fix some of that because you've seen him fix it in spurts, where he drives off his back foot more instead of just trusting that arm because he knows how talented his arm is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his mechanics break down. Sometimes it actually pressure and rollouts force him to use better mechanics because he gets into a rhythm and he actually doesn't sail the ball. So the second portion comes into play with what his coach said. And I'm glad you made mention of it, Brandon. And I think his coaching staff understands it too. You can't ask this man to be your running back and quarterback. Right. So now that they have talent in the backfield that is explosive, they will ask him to do less running the ball which will make Cam be in the pocket more often so he can get consistency there. They'll do more play action off of the explosive nature of the McCaffrey's of the world. And this will give him the opportunity to be what he was. People forget. I mean, his first two games in the NFL, and it wasn't a fluke, like some want to say, he threw 400 yards in back-to-back games. Right. So it's because they asked him to just throw the ball, make the right plays, and he did that. So I I say all this because – Yes, I think he will become a more consistent passer this year because they have an explosive nature in the backfield. They will ask him to run the ball less. And I think it will allow him to have more consistent mechanics instead of having the breakdowns that he experiences because, again, he's been utilized as a fullback and hasn't been injured. Unlike other quarterbacks who get touted all the time, Cam Newton has played in the vast majority of his games. He's only missed a handful of games in his NFL career, and he gets blasted right, on a daily basis. You know, it kind of reminds me of the whole Taj Boyd situation at Clemson where he'll start off hot, they'll run that stupid quarterback power, and by in the fourth quarter, the passes aren't as accurate as they were in the first two quarters because he's tired now and he's been exactly. taking a lot of hits on his arm. Uh, so I agree with all, all, all of what you guys said. I just want to ask this final question. What type of impact can Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel make as rookies? I think we've talked about this a little bit this episode. So I just want to wrap it up by asking that, that particular question. Well, you gotta, you have to be 
we we we've beat we've beat to death Christian McCaffrey. He's going to be good. Um, I'll be surprised. I'm sure everybody on this panel will be surprised if Christian McCaffrey is not um a, a good NFL running back. The Curtis Samuels thing is very interesting. Just think about what Cam Newton was able to make Ted Ginn Jr. look like. And in my opinion, I think Curtis Samuels is a much more dynamic on wide receiver because he has different ways that he can beat you rather than just being able to take the top off of the defense and beat you deep. So now you put, you know, you put that in the hands of Cam Newton. And the one thing Cam Newton has consistently been able to do is if you can run, he can throw you the ball. He's going to get you the ball where you can run. Um, and, they, and they've had those guys over the years, and those guys in the slots have had a lot of success. I see Samuel in the same mode, and so I'm very excited about what they're going to do with him um, just from purely a receiving standpoint. That doesn't even go into his ability to run the ball. Um, I think as a receiver, he's going to be dynamic in, in an offense where – you know, where Cam Newton does a great job of putting that ball on you quick and allowing you to do something after the um after the after the throw, or where he can throw it out there and let you run underneath it. Yeah, and I mean this goes back to what I said earlier about finding ways to get him to football. I think he's a guy that you could have a, a nice package for and, and take advantage of what he could do once he gets the ball. And again, what this does is it makes Cam Newton's job much easier. And with McCaffrey, I think McCaffrey is obviously someone that, despite his size, can can run the ball inside when you need him to. You could run the outside zone plays with him as well. But in addition to that, I would like to see them go to him more in the screen game. So there's definitely ways that, that they could get uh, big plays out of their offense without having Cam Newton have to sit back there and take some of the hits that he takes. So I think it's definitely a good thing for Cam just because it's not only going to make his job a bit easier, it's going to make it less painful. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Things do get a little bit easier for Cam with these two additions. Um, you know, I, I think we all know what Christian McCaffrey is. I mean, we all have kind of talked about it. It's, he's reminiscent of, of a Tiki Barber. You know, um, you know, people don't want to make that comparison. People say, you know, the Reggie Bush thing, and I, I get all of that. But you just got to turn around and hand this guy, guy the ball, you know. And I think because he's so explosive and so quick – um, you know, that, that there's no reason for you not to do that. Uh, it, it makes things easier on everybody. So um, you don't want to make him work too hard for the football. Um, another guy I wanna, I've been chomping at the bit to talk about is Curtis Samuel. Um, I spoke to a couple coaches there. They said he's the most talented player, period, that they've had there in the past seven years. So let's think about all the players that have been by there in seven years. Um, and, and you saw what Ezekiel Elliott was able to do in the NFL. Um, you saw Carlos Hyde. He came in there. He did what he was supposed to do. I know he wasn't rated as high for, for me and a lot of you guys. Um, but, you know, he was thought of very highly, you know, in the NFL when he came out um, or in the NFL draft when he came out. So Ohio State has had some very talented players. Curtis Samuel, they say that he is the most talented and most gifted player that they've had. And this is not a guy I think you just line up at receiver. I would put him and Christian McCaffrey in the same backfield occasionally. And let's give Curtis Samuel some carries. I don't view him as a slot receiver only. Now, uh, you got to give him that, that Tyreek Hill plan and maybe even more carries than that because he's just that gifted. So um, you can do so many things. You can essentially 
you know, substitute or change personnel without substitution, you know, because you've got that guy on your field, you know, because he can wear so many hats. So I think he makes them that much more dangerous and he makes things easier for Cam Newton. I can't wait to see it in action. You know, this this guy was Ohio State's version of Percy Harvard in some respects because of the ability to be able to line up in the backfield, work the slot. It was a detriment to him in some respects because he never got comfortable doing one thing. But it was also a positive for his NFL career because he'll be able to do so many dang things that he'll be able to be on the field. I'm hoping that they utilize him as a running back. This guy should be getting carries in the NFL in every game. It shouldn't just be gimmick reverses, things like that. Amen. Literally give him a few carries yep. because he's not a rhythm runner. He doesn't need 20, 20 or 25 carries like a Mark Ingram to get going. He just needs four. Give him four or five touches and see what happens. He'll, he'll, he'll break something most likely because he has that type of talent. And as far as working the slot receiver, you can eat in this particular offense because people are frightened of Cam Newton. Linebackers will come screaming at Cam Newton and you'll be open. That, that, that 10 yard end will be open. There'll be no one there because they'll come screaming up at Cam Newton when he makes a move towards the line and Samuel's getting the ball in his hands will be just, in my opinion, electric. Uh, and as far as Christian McCaffrey, we beat that horse to death as far as what I believe about him. Yeah, I think they're going to be outstanding. I'm just finally glad to see quarterbacks that look like Cam actually get actual weapons and and not Kenny Britt. So, <laughs> you know, I, I just I'm glad to see what they can do now that they have legit weapons on, on their roster. So uh, quickly going around the room, what do you guys have the Panthers finishing this, this season? I'll start off. I have the Panthers finishing uh, third this season. I, I think they will be they'll be uh, uh, above the Saints, but you got a couple other teams in that division that I, I think will be uh, in better shape than them. So that's where I have them finishing third. Yeah, I mean, the defense def- definitely gives me some uh, cause for concern, but I think this is a team that's going to score a lot of points if they play their cards right and if they utilize these weapons the way that they should. So I'm going to, uh, you know, kind of give a a little bit of a hot take here. I'm going to say the Panthers are going to finish first. Okay. See, I think of this division, and and everyone knows the history, you know, worst to first, this is the division where it happens. I think this is one of the more competitive divisions in the entire NFL. Uh, I have the Panthers finishing in fourth place but only one game behind the second place team. I, I think that this is a, a very close division. And, you know, the Panthers went, people forget, 15 and one two seasons ago. And then last year they, they had a losing record. They've got to be somewhere in the middle as far as a team. They have to be at least a, a, an a, above average team. So fourth place in this division is not an insult whatsoever. It's interesting because um, you say they're going to finish fourth, but only one game behind second. And I think you said you had two guys – like two teams finishing second. So you have everybody bunched all together. Um, I, I tend to agree with you as far as the 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 competitive nature of this of this um division, but I think that Carolina's gonna finish first. And the reason I believe they're gonna finish first is because the team that's gonna finish second, um, Tampa Bay, they have an I mean, Cam Newton is essentially their kryptonite. They're when he's on and he's balling, like they have no answer for him, and they never, they never beat him in a game that matters. Um, last year and at the end of the year they beat him, but they had already, you know, folded the tent for the year. So, 
I, I have them finishing first, um, a, a game ahead of, of Tampa Bay. Um, and I think both of those teams have a good opportunity to make the playoffs. So that's it for this episode of the Football Cypher. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. For Chris, Gene, Brandon, and Teron, I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook, and this has been the Football Cypher on the Football Game Plan Podcast Network.